and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I'm your other co-host, Cam, and we are off and running on a new year with Popcorn for Breakfast. This is uh, 2022 now. I had to think about it for a second there because it's we're still in that phase, and it's exciting. I think we can all agree that 2021 was a steaming pile of garbage, mm-hmm. right? I would say worse than 2020. Do you agree, Kirk? I firmly agree. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, th- I really do think that. I thought about it before, and 2020 was a doozy because there were all the lockdowns and all of that. But 2021 was worse because it was another year of the same stuff, and there was like this wishy-washy back and forth thing that went on with it where it was like, oh, this is the last wave. We're almost out and things are back to normal. And then it's like, oh, just kidding. There's Delta. Oh, and also just kidding. Here's Omicron. And also this will be how we live for the rest of our lives. Yes. For those of you listening in the year 2032, we're talking about the first wave of the coronavirus, COVID-19. Oh, it's still happening. If they're listening in 2032, it's still happening. They've probably had COVID 13 times over. They're all dead, actually. Yeah, it could be. It's like, it's like the matrix. They're all, there are, they're not even, they're living in a matrix. There's aliens. It's Mm -hmm. a whole thing. We've been reset. machines, I mean. Um, So yeah, it's, it's starting to feel like that, but, but. The new year is great because the new year always brings hope with it. And especially on the movie front, things look great for 2022. A lot of these movies that got delayed in 2021 are set to come out in 2022. And even though Omicron is sweeping the nation and the globe right now, um, these waves eventually end. They do eventually come to an end. And so... Uh, maybe in the next month or so, we'll really be looking at no significant delays and like we'll actually be able to look forward to this year's movies. And there are a lot of good ones. And we are going to do something at the end of this episode that we have not done in a super long time, Kirk, which is we're going to do a schoolyard pick of 2022 films. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. There are, I mean, we were talking the other day. for We were trying to pull together a social media post about 2022 films, and we had to pick which one we were most excited about. And we couldn't do it. Like we, we both struggled with it before ultimately settling on the Batman, which I'm sure will appear in our schoolyard pick, but there it's a, it's a packed release schedule and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, other things we are doing, uh, what's popping tonight. And then we are going to do later in the week. We're going to do our review of the matrix resurrections. Yes. Um, Kirk, I know you're a big matrix guy. I have a confession, which is that, as you know, any OGs may remember, we did a uh, PFB movie night of The Matrix. I think it might have been our first one. It it might have been the first one we did, and that was a lot of fun. That was that was in 2020, like right at the beginning of the pandemic. But um, we did The Matrix. It was my first time having seen it in 2020. Was my first time having seen The Matrix. This is one of those franchises that, for whatever reason, eluded me. I think it was because. It came out when I was like 10, 11. It was rated R, you know, just kind of like snuck in that window. Um, and Kirk, you were like, okay, now that you've, I remember specifically you saying this at the end of that stream. You said, now that you've seen the first one, you've got to go watch the other two right now because you'll be on fire for it. And I did not. Oh. So confession time, I did not do that. 
So. But you watched Resurrections? No, I have not. Okay. I have okay. not watched it. Um, so I'm going to do that. But I watched one and two this okay. week. And then, th- so I have three and four left. So I am committed to watching all of them before we record our review because um, I'm a professional. And I'm excited about it. I really am. Though mm-hmm. I have to say, one is far superior to two. Oh, yeah. Far sure. superior. And mm-hmm. so I'm nervous because I've heard bad things about three. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think what what the what the matrix runs into is a bit of uh fan hatred because they had an idea excuse me while i yawn because we're recording as we record yeah at two o'clock in the morning what the fans they became toxic a little they had ideas Mm. of what they wanted the matrix to be what uh exciting things that could have come there wasn't a lot of social media so there are all these i don't know it was kind of worse in a way because you would just be in your circle of either hatred or yeah. love with your friends, and you just went whichever way they went. Um, I fall on the line of look at it as a whole. Yes. You can't look at them as individual movies. In fact, if there was a supercut of the entire three films together, mm. I think that would be stronger than them separately. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do not hate the second one at all. I just mm-hmm. like. The first one is so great because it builds such a great world and mm-hmm. it, it like as you start to think of questions, it answers them. You know, it's just really well crafted. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm certainly excited about like the fact that there's a Matrix movie like 20 years after the last one. It's super, super duper exciting. So we'll be pumped to talk about that one. And it's on HBO Max if anybody wants to stream it prior to our review to get caught up. But. It's a new year. We took a break for Christmas. Hope you guys had a great Christmas. Hope you got to spend it with all of those that you love and care about. And if not, you get to spend right now with us. And we love and care about you. So we it's, do. A, it's a win-win. So let's talk about the movie news. Even though there was the holiday, there was still some news that happened over the last couple of weeks. So we're going to get into it right now, Kirk. Let's pop it up. Pop it. All right, and unfortunately, we do have to start on a heavy note with our uh, What's Poppin', because, of course, the iconic, legendary actor, Betty White, passed away um, over the, the last week, and she was just about to turn 100 years old. She was 99. I know they had, a, they had like a big 100th birthday celebration uh, like Fathom event or something like that planned mm-hmm. on January 17th or something like that. So uh, a real bummer. Obviously, the thing that's great about this in general like, is that she lived an incredible life, which is so much better than when we do, when we have to talk about it for people like Chadwick Boseman or, you know, people who are, who are taken tragically at a young age or due to some sort of horrible disease or something like that. Obviously, it's still very sad that Betty White died, um, but we got to see how good of a life she lived, and she was constantly, you know, I think that was the thing. You look at her acting credits, right, Kirk, and you're like, you know, there's a lot of them, but this isn't like some huge, illustrious, um, like, super awarded and lauded type of career. Like, she was doing a lot of TV stuff. She obviously did Golden Girls, which is you know 
just a legendary show in its own right. She was on the Mary Tyler Moore show, which of course is iconic, but you know, her career really is not her acting credits. It's, it's what she meant to people outside of that. It's what she meant as a pop cultural icon and what she represented, which was, you know, endless youth (laughs) effectively. You know, she, she represented this idea of just like being so full of life and loving, you know, life and having fun you know she just had had a total blast and that was all the stories that you sort of saw on twitter of people who knew her closely really talked about that and how much fun she she was as a person um but kirk obviously want to get your thoughts on betty white uh gone at 99 years old yeah the same thing it's it's fascinating that her career was so big because she wasn't an Oscar Best Actor. She wasn't in a Best Picture that won. Like, it simply was the career she built for herself that made her uh, so well-known and so popular. It was the honesty that she brought to the screen, that she was unapologetically her, and that she wouldn't say no. She would always be in these crazy antics, uh, whether it was on her premiere show, uh, uh, Golden Girls, or it was on someone else's show where she was guest starring. And she came to a point where you know we we like to laugh about Nick Cage's uh, meta theatricalness, uh, but Betty White's been doing it way longer. I mean, yes. she has played yeah. herself in real sitcoms for years and years and years. And shout out to one of my favorite per, uh, uh, performances of hers in. I think it was 2007, 2008, The Proposal with Sandra Bullock, Ryan Reynolds, and <laughs> yeah. none other than the Betty White. That's my favorite performance. I've got it on DVD and digital, and I watch it on the regular. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's a classic performance. And her and Ryan Reynolds had a very funny relationship. Actually, the day before she died, there were there were some Twitter exchanges about a comment she made about how Ryan Reynolds just needs to get over her. And that was like two <laughs> days before she died and Ryan Reynolds made a joke about it on Twitter. But it's sort of it, like that exchange and things like that are the perfect microcosm of what she represented, which is somebody who's just, you know, enjoying the little things, taking, you know, taking it, like taking it easy, keeping it light, keeping it funny, trying to have fun, like you said, doing ridiculous things that like, she didn't have to do, you know, but she did whatever she thought was fun. And I think there's something to be learned from that. And she obviously lived a good long life. So maybe some of that is attributed to the fact that she, you know, you know, did things that made her happy and, and had, had fun with her career rather than trying to, you know, climb the ladder or, or do whatever. She just totally did things her way. And I think that she really, as a person, kind of embodies what the show Golden Girls meant to people and what the that style of show because i you know i am not someone who has watched every episode of that show but my wife loves the show and i've seen episodes in passing and i'm always struck by just the tonality of that show and based on when it came out and just the whole idea and concept of that show is so fascinating but what it represents is just like live your life to the fullest it doesn't matter what age you are like have honest conversations with people, have hard conversations with people that you love. Um, and that's what Betty White was all about. So sad to see her go. Would have loved to see her go to 100 and, and get the, the big tribute that she definitely deserved. But um, she got a heck of a tribute over the last week um, across all social medias and, and news networks and everything. So rest in peace, Betty White. You will be, you will definitely, definitely be missed. We will miss you so much. All right. 
other movie news that happened, um, and this one this one scares me, Kirk. We had a movie delay. And here's the thing. It was Morbius, which is like kind of a running joke at this point. It's like almost Avatar level delays at, at this point. Like this is the seventh time that this movie has been delayed. Seven times. It was originally supposed to come out at the, like, I, I think it was like early 2020 is when it was like supposed April? to come out. Yeah, it was. Yeah. that's what I was thinking, like first half of 2020. And then it got delayed and delayed and delayed. And then whenever the Delta spike was going on in like November, like it was set to come out like mid November and they bounced it around a little bit before finally being like, ah, screw it. Uh, you know? And so Morbius is, is delayed once again, it's original or I, I can't even say original release date. The release date it got moved from was January 28th and now it will release oh. on April 1st. Oh, oh, so it will be interesting to see what this represents. On the one hand, it could just be a situation where Sony is saying, you know, Spider-Man's still crushing it in the box office. Let's ride that wave. Let's let's take another push at really advertising this movie for April, give it a few months to marinate and get people excited about it with a new campaign. Maybe we can do some stuff to tie it into No Way Home. Whatever. I think that's certainly on the table. Obviously, the elephant in the room is Omicron and the crazy case numbers that are going on right now. Um, but I think what's different this time around is that the lockdowns haven't really happened. So you don't have theaters closing. And so any speculation around Omicron would just be they're guessing people won't feel safe going to the movie theaters, which is certainly possible because it's pretty... It's pretty bleak out there right now, but um, I tend to lean towards maybe they're just not ready to release this film and they want to let No Way Home scoop up as much money as humanly possible. Kirk, what do you think? I think it's definitely part of that. Uh, there's also probably the fear that this movie will be terrible and harm the Spider-Man franchise. Not Obviously not the Tom Holland, not the perfection that No Way Home was, but really just it'll be such a letdown if this comes off. I mean, yeah. the theaters are still full. They are running like 20 showtimes of No Way Home and they're all full per day. So many people have seen this movie and yet so many still have not. And so many are seeing it for the second, third, fourth time. So I think it has to be part of that where they're like, we don't want to, we don't want to like play this because it's not going to be yeah. anywhere close to that. And especially since it doesn't even have that caliber of storytelling, right. um, it's going to, as soon as it gets the reviews are published and they drop, there'll be no one seeing this, no forgiveness <laughs> with right after. Oh, you're just signing off home. on it. You're signing the death certificate <laughs> dead upon arrival. Morbius says Kirk. It's going to be absolutely atrocious. <laughs> we will not just like we will not see Jared Leto as the Joker again, even though we've been teased that maybe, maybe, maybe we will not see him as Dr. Morbius. Are again. they still teasing that? Are they still teasing? He'll come back as the Joker. I think they are. Oh, I think my they are. Word. Can we please, can we not? Yeah, I mean, we we have not been shy about our feelings towards Jared Leto. I I don't really understand the purpose of this movie in the grand scheme of the whole thing. Like I feel like they'll have to make a really compelling case as to why now is the time for some sort of Morbius origin story because for all intents and purposes it appears to be a full-blown origin story top to bottom. Um, 
so I, I don't really know. I, I, I can't say that I'm super stoked for this movie. Like, obviously, I like all the comic book stuff, and it's cool that unsung characters are getting more of a chance to shine. But, like, with this being delayed so many times and the way that it looks, I'm not particularly, and basically just the subject matter in general, I'm not super excited about it. And I don't think three more months is going to improve that for me. Right. Let us also remember uh, Jared Leto in this time that uh, just came to my mind. Jared Leto, at the start of the coronavirus in 2020, came out like a week or two into it after March 13th and said, what did I miss? Because your boy was on like a total off the grid uh, meditation seminar getaway ranch. Yeah. Which I don't believe for a second. I don't believe you, you, Jared Leto. What? What do you think he was doing? You think he was like sucking people's blood? Do you think he's an actual vampire? I think that was a publicity stunt. Oh, yeah. He's thinking sure. no one else is going to have the gall to come out and say, oh, I was on a meditation retreat. Didn't have my phone. Nothing. No one knew I was there. That's Here a weird, I am. That's a weird stunt, though. I mean, he's a weird guy, but. Exactly. Um, exactly. That's. I just, I just can't imagine that this movie, this origin story of another villain right away after a second Venom is going to do well. I just don't see it doing well. So do you lean more towards this being Sony's prerogative rather than the pandemic dictating the delay? Yes. Okay. I am leaning that way as well, but I am nervous. Like, I have to admit, I am a little bit nervous just because the Omicron case stuff is not getting better right now. So, like, we, I don't know. Like, I haven't read anything on it recently because I've kind of stopped re- reading stuff about that for my own mental health. <laughs> um, but I don't know that we've peaked yet. And I, I get nervous. Like, January movies being pushed is not going to cause me upset. It's like, if I start hearing things about March movies being discussed for delay i'm going to start getting freaked out because there's some big movies coming out in march the batman comes out march 4th um there's some big time movies coming out then so i will start to get concerned that we're in another 2020 2021 type of situation when that starts to happen but january like i get it let's pump the brakes on any panic and like scream which is supposed to have a big theatrical release that's supposed to come out in like two weeks so um that one hasn't moved yet, so we'll kind of we'll keep an eye on it. Have we even seen a trailer for this? We have just the one, I think. So um, brief. Yeah, it's, it hasn't been widely publicized, which I don't really get, especially for a January release of a horror film, especially right. for Scream. Like I, I don't know, um, but yeah, that one's coming. It's on the way. All right, next we were just talking about the Matrix, which obviously stars Keanu Reeves. But here's the big story coming out of Deadline: is that Keanu Reeves is going to take on his first major television role ever. And what's really caught my eye about this, Kirk, is the project on which he is doing this, which is The Devil in the White City, which is being executive produced by Martin Scorsese and Leo DiCaprio for Hulu, which all kinds of intrigue there. But Kirk, do you know the history behind this whole thing, The Devil in the White City? Have you heard about this project before? I have heard about it. Yeah, um, you probably it, heard it, about it like 10 years ago, right? It kept confusing me because um, because it, should, it was started as a movie, correct? That's right. It was going yes. to be a movie starring Leo. Yes. Originally. And it was going to be directed by Scorsese and executive produced by the two of them. 
Um, and this was back in, I think Leonardo DiCaprio's production company bought the rights to it. And I think that mm-hmm. must have been, honestly, it, it could be eight to 10 years ago at this, at this point. Sure. Um, and that was the talk. And I, I was like, I, I had that thing written down. I was like, I'm, I cannot wait for this. This is going to be sick when it comes out because the story is like about a serial killer who has like a murder hotel type right. thing. And it's based on a true story. It's based off of a, a, a book. And so, yeah, this project sounds amazing, but I'm like a thousand times more intrigued now that they're adapting it for television and Keanu Reeves is starring in it. Yeah, I'm sad because I know that Leo could pull any role off at all. Um, True. But it does give us a little bit more room to explore this uh, this this murder hotel. It's crazy. This is a real, true life story. Um, I've heard a couple of different podcasts talk about this place that there were like secret pathways and secret stairwells and rooms dedicated for certain horrible, horrible things. And while that's all tragic, it's also fascinating that you want to understand why. And so that's why we're processing our emotions and making this into uh, a TV series. So, and I think there's been enough time, if I remember correctly, it was in the early 1900s. I think there's been enough time. It's still terrible. It should have never happened for it not to be as as harmful to people's um, health listening to it. But the fact that it's still moving forward, that's a great sign. It's going to be absolutely horrifying i don't know that we've seen keanu in many villain roles if he's playing the the lead serial so yeah i think good good question that's my question as well is he playing the serial killer or is he playing i i believe in the book there is like a counterpart which is the architect maybe or maybe the serial killer is also an architect i have no idea um i really want to read the book now but yeah i think it's going to be intense i think this is going to be a different Regardless of which role he's playing, I think this is going to be a very different type of role than we have seen Keanu in um, that I can remember. Yeah, it does not say what his role is on IMDb. So interesting. interesting. We shall see. Yeah, and it's going to be on Hulu, which like just adds to <laughs> adds to the intrigue. I mean, um, not that like Hulu has good original shows. It's just that was not my first like. When I saw this headline, I was like, something's wrong here. I, I think you <laughs> no, guys need to you get mean your facts Netflix. Straight. Yeah. You mean, you mean HBO Max. What are you talking about? Anyway. Although Dope Sick, Dope Sick came out on Hulu very strong. Very strong. Yeah. So. Hulu, no, Hulu's, Hulu's content wheel is, is really spinning. And they've got a lot of good stuff, good, good movies. They've got a really decent library nowadays. So I will not write this one off just because it's on Hulu. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, speaking of dope sick, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, and this is coming from The Wrap, he has been confirmed to, man, lots of superhero stuff tonight, uh, to return as Batman for the Batgirl movie that's coming to HBO Max starring Leslie Grace. So this would seem to confirm what many have surmised, which is that what happens in this movie that's coming out November 4th or something, The Flash that involves Michael Keaton will go on to spin up the future of the DCEU in which Michael Keaton plays an almost Nick Fury type role in the future of that. So Kirk, how are you feeling about all of this coming together? I mean, how are you feeling about the, I mean, I know you you and I have both been harsh on the DCEU, Mm -hmm. but we were both a little bit intrigued by the idea of the flash movie with the Michael Keaton time travel multiverse 
type thing. And now that we've got the Batgirl movie, which is going straight to HBO Max, starring Leslie Grace, we've got Michael Keaton confirmed confirmed for both of those movies. How are you feeling about the outlook here? Well, it seems like the buzz around this is that it's going to be a reset for the DCEU. It seems like the Flash could be the potential moment where they wipe away everything that's happened because the Flash can run so fast he travels into other dimensions, other Earths, other timelines, which would be great because if if we could tap into that and get some new magic, some new direction, that would be absolutely incredible. Um, it's, it's some of the buzz is that, you know, Henry Cavill and uh, Ben Affleck will not be returning uh, in their roles. We've got Michael Keaton, who will be the new Superman. I do not know. Batman. But, oh, yeah. Who will be the new Superman? Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But this is all all great. And the biggest part that this leads us to, Cameron, which I know you're probably thinking already, <laughs> is Michael Keaton steps into the role of Batman again, but maybe for this Batgirl movie and for The Flash. And then he should step into the role of old Bruce Wayne yeah, and I mean, Mr. McGinnis. If they don't do that. Batman Beyond. If they don't do that, they're just dead wrong. I mean, just like <laughs> objectively, that's it's wrong. Like that is he would be the perfect Bat he would be the perfect old man Bruce Wayne to Terry McGinnis. Like <clears throat> whoever they cast as Terry McGinnis, and they can cast a wide net for that. They could bring up somebody new, whatever. Yep. Though I don't really trust DC to do that at this point. But I mean that has to happen. They have to do some sort of like new Justice League with Batman Beyond. Um, I don't know. They, they've got a lot of balls in the air right now at DC because they've got all this spinoff stuff too. Like your question about Superman, they've got this Michael B. Jordan Superman movie that's taking right. place outside the DCEU. Um, or is it a TV series now? I can't even keep up. I think it's I think it's a movie. And then they've yeah. got this Batman trilogy that's just getting started with Robert Pattinson. And, and Zoe Kravitz that takes place outside of the DCEU. So it's like, who knows? And I think the thing that I keep coming back to is like, great. Like we can all, I think most of us can agree that the DCEU needs a giant red reset button and that they have some good ideas about certain things that they could probably execute now if they weren't burdened by the history of the other films. But like they are anchoring it on the Ezra Miller flash, which is an interesting call because he is widely hated yes. <laughs> by people for some off the camera work that has been, you know, that he's been, there's allegations, things like that of him being a nut and, or, or being, you know, abusive and things of that nature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then there, you know, there's a good number of people who don't love him as the flash. And I'm sort of in that contingent though. I thought he was better in the, um, Justice League, the Zack Snyder cut because he got a little more screen time to flush out that character, but I think it's an interesting horse to hit your wagon to for your big reset. Like, maybe, maybe there will be other flashes that come around as a result of this movie and they'll just slide him out and slide a new flash in. I'm not really sure, but it it's definitely intriguing. Yeah, I'm with you on that boat. It is fascinating that he's the flagship, uh, or at least his character, and of course him. We do see all other uh, other versions of him in the trailer. He's you know confronting them. He's yeah. like largely in the back uh, round of many of these critical scenes. But you know, I still don't understand. They had such an incredible and still do CW uh, Flash Grant yeah, Gustin. Yeah. Uh, it does an absolutely incredible job 
Why they didn't select him to move forward onto the screen absolutely blows my mind. That would have been their bridge of taking their their shows to their movies and keeping them the same. Um, if he doesn't show up in this and take over by the end of it, or at least get, get an intro so that he could potentially take over, I'm going to be ticked because your boy is so good and so much better than Ezra Miller. He's really, really quite fa- uh, fantastic. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do. And I think they have a hard time crossing the line into the CW stuff because that, just from a quality perspective, is obviously a tier below what they can do, maybe a couple tiers below what they can do with the big-time movie budget. But I agree that that show is widely loved, that Flash is widely loved, so they have to find a way to tie that in there. But we'll see. More Michael Keaton is never a bad thing, in my personal never. opinion, so let's let's hope that it works out for them. Um. Let's talk about John Wick Chapter 4. Man, lots of Keanu today. Uh, Matrix, Devil in the White City, now John Wick. It got delayed a whole year, Kirk, after it was already delayed a year. Okay? This is not okay. They This movie is, as far as I know, is like pretty much done. Um, or maybe maybe shooting got delayed because of, of COVID, but like the original plan was that the Matrix 4 and John Wick Chapter 4 were going to release on the same day, and it was going to be my birthday in 2021, and I was so excited. And then COVID blew that up, yeah, which is the worst, because COVID is the worst. And not only that, but it got delayed to 2022, and then out of the blue, they're just like, oh yeah, by the way, we're delaying it from May 27th, 2022, which would just be four months away from now, to March... 24th 2023 that's almost an entire year what is happening what is well, happening? i think i think um keanu's trying to tell us that his audience can only handle one keanu movie a year that's it that's i disagree it. He, I, I, he I cannot it's the draw of him is uh the exclusive exclusivity yeah exclusivity he's worried is, our brains would explode if we had yes. too much keanu I think that when you see him on screen, he digs deep into your soul. And if he does that too many times, you will lose yourself and explode right there in the theater. Mm. It could be. I hadn't thought of that. Yes. But, well, I mean, I'm a Keanu expert. A <laughs> yeah, Keanu you're, the for, you're the foremost expert on this sort of thing. Yes. I'm whatever the reason. Today. Whatever the reason. His heart or his shoes. Um, <laughs> this, needs, this needs to stop. We need to stop this because... Keanu, not even Keanu, John Wick is fantastic. And mm. they have been teasing us with chapter four for forever. And they were doing all this like, we're going to film four and five at the same time so they can come out faster. And I was like, yes, please, all the John Wick. Then there was like this spinoff show, The Continental, which is still happening. Um, though Mel Gibson is in that. So that's interesting. And then they're doing that. They, they tease this uh, or there were rumors of this Anna de Armas spin-off of John Wick. Yes. I'm like, dude, at some point you got to give us a John Wick movie. Like you're really ho- hanging us out to dry here. This is not okay. Right. It's not so, okay. I guess they got too caught up. The only thing that will make it better is if which they probably will if all of those tie together. But I still feel like they should have given us John Wick 4 first. Yes. And then made them tie in together, give us John Wick 5 and then make them still tie in together for the John Wick universe. I agree. I agree. It's not fair. It's not fair, and I'm sad about it, and that's why I brought it up because I just like I'm I'm shocked. Even every time I read it, I'm like they delayed it a whole nother year after year. they had already delayed it a year. So it literally 
it's it's now getting released two years after its original release date what in the world dude that's like uh that's like morbius status yeah it's like morbius it's <laughs> and if they delay it more i will literally die and also it's like avatar which avatar 2 maybe it'll make an appearance in our schoolyard pick later but it's supposed to come out this year after like I don't know, 12 years or something since the first one. I'm pretty sure the first one came out in 2010. So, um, interesting. All right. That's all we got for what's popping, but I do want to fill you in on some things, some what to watch things. So, you know, because there's always lots of stories out there. It's hard to figure out what's actually out. Just four big things I want to call out that happened over the holidays. Book of Boba Fett episodes one and two, two drops tomorrow. Um, Yes, if you're listening to this, it's already dropped because this episode releases on Wednesday. So episodes one and two, The Book of Boba Fett, is out on Disney+. Plus. Also on Disney+, Plus, Encanto, they released it. It came out in that um, Thanksgiving release window, but then as a Christmas gift, kind of like what they did with Soul, they oh dropped that movie, Encanto, on Disney+, Plus on Christmas Eve, the 24th. So now it's available at no extra, tra- no extra charge, no premiere access, no nothing. Best present ever. Encanto. Yes. Yeah, man, it's a banger. We like we're we're not going to review it on this podcast because we just sort of ran out of time. But it's good. It's really good. Ten and out of ten. Every every song is absolute is an absolute banger. Just totally slaps, and like they get stuck in your head big time. So it's a it's a good one. Uh, Return to Hogwarts. The the Harry Potter uh, documentary has released on HBO Max, and hilariously. Uh, they used, I saw this story today in one of the like documentary things that they like reels, they edited together. They used a child picture of Emma Roberts instead of Emma Watson. And they got (laughs) roasted by fans on um, Twitter and they are editing it now. Yes. (laughs) So that's happening. So go watch it. Get it while it's hot. The Emma Roberts picture in, in return to Hogwarts. Uh, but I'm excited to watch that. I haven't gotten a chance to because I know my wife wants to watch it. So we got to link up to, to watch that one. And then Don't Look Up, which was out in theaters the last time we talked about it, is now on Netflix. It remains to be seen if we will review it on this podcast. I think there's a chance. It has already had 152 million hours of streaming on Netflix. Wow. It had a, a huge, huge debut, um, which Ad- I saw Adam McKay tweeted that he was like flabbergasted by by that so um pretty awesome debut for them obviously a very star-studded cast but we'll dig into that so those are some things you can watch also i would i have to recommend that you watch the matrix resurrections before we do our review later this week but now that what's popping is over let's do our schoolyard pick and we'll get out of here it's been a long time so for those of you who are new to the program or new since the last time that we did a schoolyard pick Here's how it goes. It's called schoolyard pick because it's effectively just like a schoolyard pick. Like you're picking teams in dodgeball or kickball. Everybody up against the wall. Let's take turns picking our best team. And so what that means is Kirk and I will take turns picking which movies we're most excited for in 2022. And we once a movie has been picked, it cannot be picked by the other person. Savage. That's the rule. Uh, I'm going to give Kirk the first pick just out of the goodness of my heart. That's sweet of you. Yeah. So whenever you're ready, Kirk, fire away with your first schoolyard pick. Well, I have to go ahead and pick the Batman. 
It's a great it's choice. Very simple. Very simple. You know, over the course of uh, this podcast, we became real big uh, R-Pats fans, Robert Pattinson it's true. fans. I think in the very first two episodes, we were kind of just digging on him like he's Batman and uh, trying to dive into his filmography and trying to uh, see what he's all about. Why, why the why the love for him? And man, oh man, he's come a long way with some great performances before this. And this may be his very best one yet in the Batman. So excited to see it. Yes, very excited. And yes, I, I said some things about our paths at the beginning of this podcast and I will not shy away from those comments. They came from a place of ignorance. You know, you just don't know what you don't know. And at that time, I really hadn't seen him in many things outside of Harry Potter and Twilight. And I was like, meh. But then I saw Good Time. And then I saw The Lighthouse. And I started to put these movies together. And I was like, holy crap, this dude can absolutely bring it. And so, yes, it's, it's very exciting. And the trailers look so good. Holy crap looks so great it's gonna be awesome okay me my first pick and i can't pick the batman so i have to get real creative here um i am going to go with i'm gonna go with spider-man across the spider-verse part one which is Mm -hmm. the sequel even though it's called part one it's actually a sequel to spider-man into the spider-verse which may in fact be the best comic book movie of all time it you know there are there's a lot of competition especially now that no way home has come out but spider-man into the spider-verse is one of the most creative pieces of comic book film combos ever like it's it's incredible the artwork is amazing the voice acting is incredible the plot the art direction everything it like it looks and sounds and is incredible i rewatch it all the time i cannot wait until my kids are old enough to not be scared of Prowler and Kingpin and all those <laughs> those baddies in that in that film because I'm dying to watch this movie with them. So the second one, I like I cannot wait. It's gonna be great. So Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part One is my first pick. I remember watching that for the first time because you had actually gifted uh, that movie to me uh, via digital for some reason. Yeah. And and I was like, whoa, this is great, you know? Uh, and I watched it very quickly and was very blown away um, and annoyed that I hadn't watched it when it came out. It was several months after it had released. So very big fan if you haven't seen it. Um, it's probably gonna be very necessary for you to watch this before. Yes. Um, maybe even Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Like it's very important. Yeah, I was I was like an evangelist of the first movie when it happened. I was buying yeah. people copies and sending it to them. Like I actually <laughs> did that. I sent I sent it to my nephews just like totally unprompted because they were old enough to watch it and I was like I don't care if you've seen this like this needs to happen. Um so yeah, it that was that that movie's incredible. All right. Um next uh you Kirk go ahead my number two I'm gonna go in a very different direction for number two I'm going to select the unbearable weight of massive talent starring Nicolas Cage nice as Nicolas Cage (laughs) this movie I mean it brings me such joy because it's the perfect movie for him I mean who would have thought 
that years and years and years ago, probably a decade ago, when Nick Cage stopped saying no to roles that he was offered because the boy does not say no. Now, I have heard some stories, some very funny stories of movie roles that he did not get and he was very upset by. Uh, uh, you can listen to a couple podcasts. Uh, he was trying to get on a Seth Rogen film and did it did not go his way and it was very fantastic. But the, the amount of roles he gets, the quantity over quality, but then when you get that quality film out of him, man, is it a home run. He's such a strange person. He's so fascinating. This movie maybe his best of all of them and it may go down in history as one of the greatest cinematic events wow yes wow don't put the cart too far in front of the horse kirk i mean i i have to agree like if you're list if you're listing most like this is films we're most excited to watch right like i am very excited to watch that movie because i have really no idea what to expect expect mm-hmm. and the premise and the trailer are absolutely fascinating in every possible way yes. so yeah like it's not one that would immediately come to your mind but it's one that is definitely exciting Indeed. <laughs> all right moving along my second pick i'm gonna go with dr strange in the multiverse of madness um i'm gonna talk about this without spoiling anything obviously dr strange was heavily involved in spider-man this movie appears to pick up on some of the stuff that happened in Spider-Man. So I'm not going to talk about that, but what I will talk about that, what I will talk about is um, excited for more Dr. Strange. I think I've said on other podcasts, I think that they're going to use this movie to tie in a lot of other Marvel properties that we haven't seen before, which I'm very excited about. Uh, We get more Scarlet Witch for the first time since WandaVision. We get, um, uh, Mordo back, who is played by um, yes. Chiwetel Ejiofor. So that's very exciting. Um, yeah, I, I, I could not be more excited for this movie. I think it's going to be a blast. And a lot of people kind of kind of dinged Doctor Strange 1. They were like, it's kind of a boring origin movie. And I disagree. I really liked that one. Um, it's not the best Marvel movie of all time, for sure. But it's fun to watch. It's a good quality movie. And I'm excited for him to get his day to really shine i think this movie will be it so dr strange and the multiverse of madness is my second pick yeah i think dr strange one is there's a hard jump for people because i had the same problem when i watched it the first even the second time there's not really a big moment where it's like oh that's how he figured it out it just kind of happens like just with his hard work and studying uh he becomes able to access this uh and it it always had to be in there right part of fate part of uh the timeline but there's just something that clicks for him but we don't see that click moment we just see him getting better and better and better at an accelerator rate so i can see why there's some uh it could have been told in a better way right so I could see that. But going back and watching it, if you just accept that portion of it, which is very brief, then you're good to go because the rest of it is very smooth from the beginning to the end. Yep. Agreed. All right, Kirk, your third pick. My third pick is going to be, well, it can't be John Wick 4, can it? All right, cannot. Too soon, Kirk. Too soon. <laughs> How about Thor, Love and Thunder? Ooh, that's a good one. Coming out in November. Um, I love Thor. I love Chris Hemsworth. Now the Portman's back in the fold. We're going to have a real good time seeing what him and Takawai Titi have put into play because this is going to be just absolutely just insane. I mean, you've got Thor coming off a crazy arc 
and coming back into who knows what is he going to be party thor is he going to be <laughs> he's going to be back to his, his old self what kind of state is thor's mental health in at this point and what's he going to do with that to move forward um, i'm so excited for thor yep that's going to be a good one that's very exciting the guardians of the galaxy are involved in that one so that's going to be good um, my third pick i'm going to break up the marvel trend and go with Babylon, which isn't coming out until December 25th, but it's the next Damien Chazelle film. It's got a stacked cast, including um, Samara Weaving and Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt and many, many others. It, you know, Damien Chazelle has done nothing but put out bangers since he burst onto the scene. He's, you know, he's done Whiplash, La La Land, First Man, all of them spectacular films, and this one looks like it's going to be really interesting we haven't seen anything from it yet but just based on the cast and the direction of the movie um it has to be on the list they're releasing it in the middle of award season because duh uh, i think it's going to be around for the awards so i'm excited i'm excited to hear more about it and i can't wait to see it excellent choice excellent choice my number four pick has to go to mission impossible yes this I can't tell you how many times that I go back randomly. It's kind of like um, like a drug. Like I have to walk away from it because it becomes so addicting. And then once I start Mission Impossible One, I skip two and I watch three through six. Yep. <laughs> because two is just a mistake. Anyways, this this number seven they haven't messed up since number two. I don't anticipate them doing it again. Um, they use that to run away from. It's going to be. Another incredible installment, I'm sure. Um, just wonderful, wonderful techniques, stunt work by Tom Cruise, pulling out all the stunts himself, as many as he possibly can. Uh, just the, the smart, the intelligence of, of that character of Ethan Hunt just drives me to see it. And I love it so much. So Mission Impossible 7, I'm, I'm just, I'm hoping, I'm hoping you don't let me down. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. What a franchise that one is. It's it's so great. Um, all right, my fourth pick. I am going to go with Jurassic World Dominion. With Jurassic World Dominion because, nice. you know, and I didn't love the second one, but I really loved the first one because I thought it was a really smart way to reapproach that franchise, to fold in new characters, and it made for a really compelling and fun movie. But Colin Trevorrow is back behind the camera for this one. He has a really clear direction, I think, that he's trying to go based on the title of the film and some of the short film type stuff that has come out, some of the promotional material. So I'm excited for it. I mean, I think this is one of those, it's like high ceiling, low floor type of thing where it could be really good or it could be really, really bad. But I'm leaning towards really good and I'm, I'm excited to see how they how they wrap it up and excited for the original cast to be more involved in the fold here. So Jurassic world dominion, I'm going to, I'm going to put out a flyer for that one. Beautiful. Beautiful. My final pick is going to go to the Fablemans. Ooh, good one. Which is a semi autobiographical film based on Mr. Steven Spielberg director, Steven Spielberg, uh, his based loosely on his life is what I understand. So um, obviously most of what Steven Spielberg puts out turns into gold. He is King Midas and coming off of West Side Story. I don't know if he's got anything um, loaded for directorial um, uh, projects before this, but this 
is going to be fantastic. You know, this year we get Belfast, Belfast um, from Mr. Kenneth Brennan, uh, based loosely based on experience in his life. We will most likely review that later on this this uh, Hollywood uh, Oscars season. But the Fablemans, I'm very interested in it because you get these snippets throughout all of his other films that you know are part of his life and part of his history that you then find out in like interviews later so seeing some of those come together in the household that he grew up in and the 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 uh, the, the vibrations of the walls and the the smell of the cooking like I can I can only imagine that we're going to get all of those in the atmosphere from this movie and I'm so excited yeah I think it's going to be very interesting uh it's def- definitely interesting cast I believe Jonah Hill's involved in that one or is that right Possibly. Or is it Seth Rogen? Wow, that's really bad. I don't know. I can't, I can't remember. But anyway, um, I think it might be Seth Rogen. It is Seth Rogen. Yeah, it's Seth Rogen. Anyway, um, getting those two guys confused for whatever reason. But that's going to be an intriguing film um, for sure. Spielberg's on a roll right now too, so it'll be exciting to see. My final pick, I'm going to go with Knives Out 2. And I do this knowing that that leaves out Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. But my hot take there is maybe it's not that hot of a take i think that movie is getting delayed i don't think there's any way it comes out this year they've had production delay on top of production delay we're 11 you know or so months away from its release date i just do not see that thing getting done in time for this year so that's the only reason is i didn't want it to get pushed though any of these could be pushed if we're being quite honest Um, but i'm gonna go with knives out too i think this idea of it being a different mystery every time is sort of like homemade new age Agatha Christie type of vibe with uh, uh, Benoit Blanc, of course, played by Daniel Craig, being the lone character or at least as far as we know carrying over into this movie. I think that's going to be fascinating. The cast is obviously fascinating. Um, and It's going straight to Netflix. I don't know if they're going to do any theatrical, but no release date yet for Knives Out 2, but I, I'm so stoked for it. I really liked the first one and I think there's just so much opportunity when you're not tied down to what happened previously in the franchise. You can do something totally new every single time, and all you have to do is carry over the detective. So that's what makes detective fiction fun, and it's going to make for a really fun, really fun film, I think. Yes. All right. That's our schoolyard pick. If you want to, hit us up on Discord. Tell us what your favorite or, or what movies you're looking most forward to in 2022. You can also hit us up on social media and let us know. We have a post out there that asks that question, so you can just throw it in the comments there. But thank you so much for listening. We're glad to be back. We're glad to be in the new year. Lots of things to look forward to in 2022, but most immediately, you can look forward to a review of The Matrix Resurrections, which will be dropping later this week. Uh, we'll be excited to bring that one to you and excited, as always, to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the band Rhetoric, who creates our original music. Check those guys out on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever, and we will talk to you later. See ya. See ya.